Here we are, another episode of Locked On Syracuse. Brad and I today, we're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of our opinions in terms of what is the most important recruit for Syracuse to land in the class of 2023 in the basketball realm. Also, we will revisit our poll that we set out for the $15 Syracuse Basketball Challenge. It's all on Lockdown Syracuse, and it happens to be right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte and Brad Klein with you on Wednesday morning. Thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Brad, how are you in the Alabama morning? It's uh, it's an earlier morning than the Connecticut morning, so I'll just put it that way. How's that? That's an accurate statement. Yeah. Um, so Syracuse basketball are going after – uh, a plethora of recruits in terms of the 2023 offer sheet. And we'll I'll, I'll run you down everybody who's been offered by SU. Uh, so far, a Lalumere, or only one point guard, Aiden Holloway from Lalumere High School. Uh, he's the only point guard, a four-star, six-foot, 155. Seems a little undersized to me, uh, but probably pretty talented kid. Blue Kane, a shooting guard who's already committed to Georgia Tech, so those hopes and dreams are gone. Uh, a few small forwards, Matas Buzelis from Brewster Academy in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. He's a five-star. Uh, his teammate, Reed Ducharme, uh, who Syracuse is getting a little bit closer to every day, it seems, and Gavin Griffiths, who's already uh, said he's going to Rutgers. So, again, dreams are gone. Both power forward uh, prospects have committed Gigi Jackson to North Carolina, Tafara Gapare to DePaul, uh, and then four centers on Syracuse's list, Isaiah Miranda, Ugana Kingsley Onyeso, or Onyenzo, uh, Papa Conte, and J.P. Estrella, all of which Syracuse, I think, have a chance at some more than others. We'll get into that. Uh, and then one combo guard, a five-star DJ Wagner. Everybody knows his name. He's the number one recruit nationally. Uh, so definitely, I think it's good to see that Syracuse is putting the number one players in the country on their offer sheets. I mean, having DJ Wagner on there, I don't necessarily think Syracuse has a great chance at getting him. But the fact that they even are trying, I think, is is a really good sign. Yeah, a, aim high and miss high, right? That's the idea. And Syracuse is still a Power 5 school, and Syracuse is still a Power 5 school with a Hall of Fame coach, so there's really no reason why they shouldn't at least give it a shot. And I feel like they're often they're not going to get a lot of these guys, especially the elite guys that are going to go to the Dukes and the Kansases and the Kentuckys of the world, but there's really no one picking up the phone. So all power to them. Yeah, and only two three stars on this entire list. Everybody else either a four star or a five star. So uh, I think that question that we asked a few pods ago about whether or not or, or what puts Syracuse on a trajectory 
when are they on a trajectory towards going back to what they were in the early 2010s in terms of recruiting power, I think they're definitely on their way. So uh, Syracuse fans can be pretty pleased about that. Uh, So today, Brad and I will be going through the 2023 class and we'll be talking about which prospects we think are most important for Syracuse to get. Now, this doesn't mean obviously the best prospect here is DJ Wagner. I don't I'm not going to say DJ Wagner. I'm trying to take some realism into account uh, and say of the guys that there's a chance at getting, who is the most important to make a great push for and actually land? Uh, so Brad, would you like me to go first or do you want to go first? I want we'll have you one to guy go first, Bones. Okay. I can go first. Um, the guy that I have in mind is six foot eleven, two hundred ten pound center from South Portland, Maine, JP Estrella. Uh, JP Estrella, a guy that I feel like I remember being a little bit higher ranked than a three star. Uh, and his offer sheet kind of tells me that too, because there aren't any like on subpar teams that are really making a push for him. The top two teams in contention for this guy are Duke and Syracuse, which is kind of the reason that I think it's so important for Syracuse to go after him and get him uh, because a Duke, a recruiting win over Duke would be pretty massive in my eyes. Um, Syracuse doesn't often beat Duke on the floor these days, but if they could beat them on the recruiting trail, I think that would be incredibly beneficial towards Uh, what other recruits see Syracuse as and saying, all right, they can go out there and hang in with Duke on the recruiting trail and get a guy. Um, So I don't necessarily know what those guys are saying in that room, but I think it would be pretty impressive if they got this guy. And also I think by the fact that both Duke and Syracuse want him pretty badly, it seems, I think he's probably higher than a three-star. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's not exactly where, so you're saying that, the importance of getting an Estrella is more for the aesthetic of Syracuse beating Duke at something, and in this case, the recruiting trail for a given player. We saw that happen the other way with Kyle Filipowski. You're saying that that's important for the aesthetic and less so for just the blocking of Duke when it comes well, to actually playing I think, them? Well, I was going to say, I think yes and no. Like I, I think that there's definitely both aspects to it, but I do think that the aesthetic is great um, that you beat Duke in something and you're able to go out there. And also it just proves that you're able to do. Um, so, I mean, that helped. that's great for the fans too, to be able to say, wow, Syracuse went out and, and, and you can't even make the argument as a Duke fan saying, oh, they didn't even want that guy. They're in on this guy. They really yeah. would like JP Estrella. Um just as much as Syracuse wants them. They're the top two teams going after this kid. Um, If they went out and beat him, it would be a huge triumph there. Uh, But like you say, the other, the kind of flip side of that coin also is that they won't have to play him uh, when they play Duke. In fact, the Duke will have to play him. So I think that's pretty big as well. And also, if you look at the center room going forward, you've got Munir Hima and you've got Peter Carey, Mm -hmm. two guys that have totally up in the air value i don't think munir Hima is going to be kareem abdul jabbar uh and i don't really think peter carey is going to go out there and shock anybody either so if you can bring in a guy that is supposed to be pretty darn good and jp estrella uh i think it's a pretty big win yeah i agree with you the positional value is key i will i will say that it does seem pretty similar to the kyle filipowski situation in that 
Syracuse reached out to Estrella first, and they have that relationship with him. But then again, Duke is Duke, and they swoop in kind of, sort of late. He Filipowski was such a better prospect than this he, kid. Is. Okay, so he was. So that's the difference: is that he was better, quote unquote, better and and more highly touted. So maybe Duke maybe is putting what put more eggs in the Kyle Filipowski basket than they are with the I think they, Estrella I basket. Think maybe one hundred percent. Okay, one hundred percent. I mean, I think they went after Filipowski with every resource they possibly could because that guy's one of the best players in the country. Uh, and in the end, they just outran Syracuse. And the Filipowski thing, I don't really know if we ever or Syracuse ever really had a chance at getting him. I don't know. Um, I mean, he was. I, I, I felt it for a little while, but once Duke got serious about it, I was yeah. kind of like, all right, there's no chance there. It's hard to compete with Duke. I, it is. No, it, it, totally, it is. It's yeah. difficult. And the but other think, thing is that Filipowski understood what exactly he was getting into, which was John Shire. And that is attractive yeah. because John Shire is a good coach and John Shire has a very good reputation. And that uh, that's a younger guy that Filipowski can get aboard with over a guy like Jim Beheim. And that's just the honest truth. Yeah. And, and maybe that, uh, he knew what he was getting in with John Shire, that they made their intentions very clear on Coach K retiring and Shire taking over while the Syracuse situation, uh, despite them claiming that there's an ironclad plan in place, no, uh, is a, is incredibly up in the air. Nobody, yep. nobody knows what's happening. Um, I guess that's because it's ironclad. Yeah, but it's nobody really knows what's going on. <laughs> All right, Brad, let me take a break and tell you about Built Bar. You know, our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors. Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puff. Not <laughs> sure what mud pie tastes like, Brad? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you'd better sit down for this. The new mud pie bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. Not convinced? Luckily, we saved the best for last. It's actually good for you. No, really. All built products are low calories, high protein, and low sugar. Mud Pie is packed with 16 grams protein and only 150 calories and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it up for you. Just for you, Brad. Uh, like all built bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. To reiterate, that means they're healthy and tasty. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And Bones, one live NBA draft show is not enough for Locked On. The entire NBA channel is going live on NBA draft night. So, if you have a favorite NBA team, make sure you subscribe now to their Locked On YouTube channel so you get notified when they go live on NBA Draft Night. First of all, I am very proud of you. Good Thanks, for you. Brad. The uh, the mud pie that. thing was a mountain that you had to climb. Not, not one yeah. that everyone on the Locked On Podcast Network had to climb, but for you, you had to work on that. So, so let me ask you this before we get to my pick of most important 2023 recruit for Syracuse. Was that the type of thing that you had to practice, like in the shower, just going? I did not practice okay. it. Okay. Built I mud did not pies. practice anything. Built mud about pies mud are pies. good and tasty and delicious and healthy. 
uh, no, really healthy. <laughs> Killing me, Brad. Nope. So I didn't no. do that. All right. I well, went out there and performed like a champion. All right. That's what happened. Figured it out. I can't speak highly enough of the built products, too. I haven't tried the mud pie yet, but the built puff birthday cake I'm flavor. Hoping that built, I'm hoping built sends me a couple puffs, man. Sends me a couple bars. So when they do, because eventually they will. Uh, put it in the. We fridge. gotta have a live reaction too. I'm gonna eat yeah. them on here. Put them in the fridge. They're good in the fridge. I think All they're right. better than room temperature. All right, that's the built aside. My guy, my most important recruit of 2023, Ritu Charmaine. And this is a guy who, now I will say, being a small forward, but more of a two-three rather than a three-four. The the thing about him is that the positional value isn't there, right? I liked your pick in that J.P. Estrella is a center and you need to get him because if you don't get him, who's your five next year with Munir Hima, with Jumbola Jock, with Peter Carey? You need someone else. I get it. But Ducharme, I think, is a guy who, first of all, he's from Brewster. So you keep the Brewster pipeline. I mean, so many guys from Brewster Academy and Syracuse has been very successful with them as well. So look at his offer sheet, and you've got some power fives in there, but you don't have the blue bloods like you do with Estrella, right? So Ducharme has an offer from Iowa. He has an offer from Penn State. He has an offer from Providence, which I know is not a power five, but still Stanford and then Syracuse. I think Syracuse has a very good chance of getting him, especially because they are the local school in the realm of the powerful offers that he's received. So that's good, especially being from Brewster Academy. I think they have a very good chance to get him. I like his versatility. I think he's a better scorer at the rim than most people think, and he's a strong shooter. And the thing is, he has the versatility to play either at the top of the zone or at the wing. And you don't know what you're going to have. My positional value is still not there with, you know, you know the centers are, are going to be a, a a game of musical chairs, but you don't know if Judah Mintz is still going to be there. You don't know how good Justin Taylor is going to be. You don't know if Benny Williams is still going to be there. There are so many different variables with the two through three position that I feel like you need reinforcements in a really bad way. Yeah, I think... Um... Talking about the the pipeline and uh, how close Brewster Academy is and that whole shtick, uh, I think it's got to help that Buddy Bayheim came out of there and had such success, right? Um, so I don't know necessarily if, if Brewster Academy coaches are kind of telling their guys like, hey, if if you want to play college basketball, like Syracuse is, is likely an option kind of thing. Um, yeah. for obviously for the for the top players. Um, but obviously, you know, you have Ducharme there and, and the other guy I mentioned, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, uh Mataz Buzelis. Sorry, that's why I couldn't remember. Um, but both of them on Syracuse's list, both of them from Brewster Academy. There's no coincidence there. Uh and, and you're right. I think Ducharme is a pretty darn good player, a four star right now, six four, one sixty-five. Maybe gets some meat on the bone there, a couple cheeseburgers, Ducharme. Um, but a guy we'd love to have on the pod, by the way. So if you're listening to this, reach out. Um, I think he would be a, a massive get for Syracuse because um 
he's listed here as a small forward. I don't know if he'd play small forward if he was with Syracuse. Probably be a guard, like you said. Um, yeah, I'm thinking two three in the way that Justin Taylor is going to be a two, but he can kind of how Buddy was at times too. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but at the end of the day, it, it really just depends on what Syracuse needs. We've seen that from Buddy Bay, rather from Jim Beheim, pigeonholing players to what he needs from them, like Frank Howard. Not a point guard, but he played point guard because they needed him to play point guard. Same with Joe Girard. Same with Tyler Lydon playing so much center. So you, you look at the position, and Jim Beheim isn't going to say, well, we can't play Ducharme at the three. He's got to be a shooting guard. No, that's not what's going to happen. So who knows? I mean, at that point, Justin Taylor is probably more likely to shift over, and this is without seeing him play a lick of college basketball but he's going to be a little bit bigger and more experienced. So he's probably more likely to go to the wing of the zone. So, but that's an aside. I just think they need to go get this guy because you can never have too much talent and too much depth. And the honest truth is, I don't think they're going to even have that much of it after this season because someone's going to transfer and someone's going to go pro. And then there are a bunch of other guys that have a bunch of other variables, not to mention we have no idea what these guys are going to be. I mean, let's be honest. We all think that Benny Williams is going to be better this year, but he was bad last year. So what if, and maybe I'm just being paranoid, but what if he's bad next year? He could be. What happens? He could be. I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying he will. But he could be. He could show up and be the same player. We'd be lying to ourselves if we could if we didn't acknowledge that that is a distinct possibility that Benny Williams is a borderline bust and he's not that good. And if that's true, then you're going to be asking way more of Chris Bunch and of Justin Taylor. And all of a sudden, your guards are not that deep because Taylor's going to be more of a forward out of necessity. So you need to go get a guy like Reed Dutcherman. Yeah, no, I, I like that point from you. I think you're right about that. But uh, what I was thinking about while you were saying all that is, isn't it sad that we're at this point where it's like, all right, one guy's going to transfer. <laughs> well, it's true. The I'm portal. not saying it's not true. I'm saying it is true. And I think that Syracuse has just become like a you get there and you're like, oh, my God, this stinks. And you leave. Um, it, so, but it's not just Syracuse. It's it's not the only. Well, I think I saw a statistic. It's like them in Wisconsin have like nine transfers in the last two years or something. Okay. Three years. Wow. Which is kind of absurd. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact statistic, but Syracuse and I think Wisconsin are close to Syracuse. Maybe not the exact same number. Are Those two schools are high and away, far and away, um, the, the most transferred out of schools in the country. That's um, interesting. I I don't want to say this is why, but this is my instinct. It's just the zone, right? I mean, and, and that's silly because people know that what they're I don't getting, think... or at least they should, when they come to Syracuse, but it's such a distinct system. And if people don't think that they fit perfectly in it, they might leave. I don't think Frank, An- Frank Anselm transferred because of the zone. I think See, Frank. Anselm I actually might disagree with you on that, dude. No way, Frank. An- I think Frank Anselm transferred uh, because in every single press conference, Jim Beheim just clamored him about how he doesn't know how to jump. So okay, and, and and now we're getting a little off topic, but I think it's important too. I'm not saying that Frank Anselm said, "All right, 
I don't want to play the zone anymore. But he wasn't a bad zone player. He was good. I he wasn't especially good in those he closeouts was fine. in the corner that belonged to the center. Those ones he were never, bad. Never those ones were bad. Those. But but he those rebounded really well. Plays. He, he rebounded, rebounded incredibly well decently. But he okay, did, he had ten game, ten rebound games, fifteen rebound games. I feel like anything he did, but he also had games where he really didn't show up. So you know, well, he was playing leave. ten minutes a lot of the time. He was playing 15 minutes very often. Like All that's right, not a negligible minutes. amount. That's not a negligible amount of basketball. Anyway, I I'm not saying that Frank Anselm looked at himself in the mirror one day and said, "I'm not playing the zone ever again." But you think about the press conference beef that he that Jim Beheim had with him. A lot beef. of that it's was Beheim beating him down every game. Okay. A lot of that was rooted in Anselm's failure in the zone. And again, it's such a distinct system. And you would think that Anselm would be know, really man. good at it because he's a never, really lanky, Beheim, really athletic player, but it just never worked out. Beheim never goes into the press conference and says a guy can't play the zone. He just says a guy can't play like defense or a guy can't. He's absolutely jump. ripped Anselm for missing rotations. I don't. Absolutely. I don't think he's ever said that, though. I don't remember him ever being like, he missed his rotation in the 2-3 zone. Like, I don't think he's ever said that. He's absolutely talked about the corner. Absolutely talked about the corner. 100%. Well, we're and, getting so off topic here. Well, no, I don't <laughs> think we are, because we're talking about transfers, and that's a key part of recruiting, and Anselm is one of the most recent examples. I think it's an important example, but regardless, okay, fine. Anselm can play the zone, can't play the zone, didn't want to, whatever. He transferred. And that's my little theory as to why. Otherwise, why would they? So whether you agree with me or not, the transfers are happening. Now now, now that I'm thinking about it, like, obviously playing time comes into um, effect for a lot of those guys. But there are guys, obviously, I, I, I don't think you're saying that guys transfer because of the zone every single time. But there are guys who transfer out who play and played well in the zone. Quincy Garrier was a starter, and he was a fine defender. Um, there were we were never clamoring Quincy Garrier saying he can't play the zone. That really never happened. He was a good defender. Um, I think that guy just hated Syracuse. I don't think he liked playing for Jim Beheim. I don't think he liked playing at SU. He left. Well, let's, um, Robert I'm, I'm Braswell, another off, guy. But let's think about a guy like Garrier for two seconds, and then I'll let you finish your point. Garrier had pro aspirations, right? The zone doesn't help you there. It just doesn't. So okay, but you can't tell me guys don't go to the NBA. No, I'm not saying guys don't go to the NBA, but you can't tell me that the zone doesn't dent their draft stock because there's an apprehension that they actually can't defend man to man. I don't know, man. That is absolutely a stigma about Syracuse. It is, but I don't know how much it hurts. I don't think guys are leaving you off draft boards because you played the two three zone. I don't think that's true. Okay, I, I I think it absolutely is true, and you think about a guy like. So you're told on. You're telling me if Elijah Hughes stayed at Eastern Carolina, put up the same numbers, no, and played man to man, no. But I'm telling you that if he put up the same numbers at Wake Forest and played a decent man to man, that he would have been a higher draft pick. Yeah. Okay. Um, I maybe. Uh, too hard to tell, but anyway. Robert Braswell, a guy who probably doesn't have pro aspirations, played really well in the 2-3 zone, and maybe yep. he was upset with his role. 
Um, but he was about to get minutes, so that doesn't really make any sense to me. But he transferred too, so I I can't really I can't explain that one away. I don't think he liked playing for Syracuse. I think it comes down for not wanting to play for Syracuse more than you're letting on. Okay, no, I get it. it whether it be the weather or I think it has uh, nothing maybe, to do with maybe the weather, the coach. So so it's just not wanting to play for Syracuse basketball. What does that mean? I I think that Syracuse basketball has the culture similar to like the New England Patriots where they are about winning and Bayheim doesn't want to not win. Uh, and if you're cut from the same cloth of as him, I think that's great. But if you're not, I don't think you'll like playing for him. He's a fantastic okay. coach. Hall of I mean, Fame coach. Okay, so, the so greatest coach Syracuse will people, ever have. So people are listening right now. People are listening. And, and these are the people that are frustrated when, certain players transfer out of the program and they're frustrated to hear guys like me and guys like you saying someone from the class of 2022 is going to transfer, but that's the honest truth. They're frustrated. And your explanation is it's because Syracuse is a winning culture. And if you're not a winner, then you can't be a part of the team and you're not going to want to be a part of the team. Can anyone really be upset about that? Like, isn't that good? Um, it is and it isn't. I mean, I would have I would have really been happy if they kept Robert Braswell. I would have been yeah. really been happy if they kept Quincy Garrier. So that's not good to me at all. Braswell to me seemed like the most pure version of a transfer that we'll ever see over the next decade because he just wanted to play. That's it. He just wanted to play. Garrier was playing. Play. Garrier was playing. Do you realize that thirty minutes a game, and as a power five guy, and he transferred. Like, if, if you can't satisfy Quincy Garrier, then who can you satisfy? Because, again, he was playing, he was scoring, he was rebounding, and he was okay. getting some NBA draft buzz, still wasn't enough to retain him. You're telling me Robert Braswell transferred because he wanted to play. Well, he transferred no. to Charlotte. Oh, yeah, yeah. Braswell, yes. I am. I am he transferred that. to Charlotte, where he only started 10 of 31 games yeah. and played 20 minutes compared to 12 at Syracuse. And I, I would bet on it that he would have played 20 minutes at Syracuse in that, in that season. Well, hold on, hold on. Be careful here because I think it's indisputable what Braswell's intention was. And you go from Syracuse to Charlotte. There's a reason it's because you're going to play more. And he did, but I think he thought he was going to play more than he actually did. Intention is very different and in a way more important than what actually happened here. I don't know. Uh, I think. All right. Yes or I no. mean, I, I think Ro I did think... Robert Braswell think be a mind reader for two seconds. Did Robert Braswell think he was going to play more at Syracuse or at Charlotte? Okay. Yes, you're right about that. But I do think you're being blind to the fact that he didn't want to play for Syracuse. Like you don't make that decision based on eight minutes. You don't. When you don't, make the decision, you don't make that decision uh, not knowing that you're going to okay. only play more, so eight more minutes. The they don't, he, the if you're going to play to, if you're going to transfer to play more minutes, you go to the team you're going to transfer to and say, how many minutes am I going to play? You don't say, right. am I going to get more minutes? Eight more? All right, I'll take it. That's not how it works. So I hate to do this to you, but I have to just completely disprove you here. So you're saying that Robert Braswell didn't want to play for Syracuse? lie he loved Syracuse I know that for a fact I was talking with his high school coach before he no I know that too but they wanted him to transfer after like the second season no or something. no no, said, no no I want to say what happened was 
the high school coach, who's basically an agent, not rare for uh, college players at that point, talked to the Syracuse coaching staff. In this case, it was Alan Griffin and said, hey, uh, we're thinking about transferring because he's not playing that much. And Griffin said, we get it. We hear you. Give us one more year. And if it doesn't get better, all power to you. And then after that year, he stayed. But the conversation was Robert loves Syracuse. Robert wants to be here. Make him want to be here even more. He stayed longer because he liked Syracuse. So don't give me that he didn't want to play for Syracuse. He just wanted to play more. There are other guys who so did not want to me. play for Syracuse. Quincy Garrier is a prime example. But don't so you Robert Braswell. You're Braswell's telling me he there. just botched? Who? Braswell. You're telling me he yes, just went to his school? Because he wanted to play more and he didn't play more. It's a botch. It happens. You mean to tell me that Jalen Carey didn't botch? You mean to tell me that Bryson oh, no, Gadine didn't botch? Well, you're telling me Jason Jalen Carey went because didn't go because he didn't like Syracuse. I think he hated playing for Bayhive. Well, okay, but well, we can't just be throwing this out. Especially, I, I haven't talked to anyone in the Jalen Carey circle, but I know for a fact that what you said about Robert Braswell not wanting to play for Syracuse is well. False. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't say anything definitively. I'm just saying I think totally he left because he wanted to play more minutes. I think that's 100% true, but I think you have to say that there's a little bit of he didn't necessarily like the situation. Well, what's the situation? The playing time. It's not the school. He had nothing. The only problem, 100%, was that he wanted to play more than he was playing at Syracuse. That's it. That is the most pure reason to transfer, and I have no ill will to that. I mean, all power to you. I understand no one in high school says, oh, yeah, when I get to college, I'm going to be a reserve. And then one day, the starter is going to be playing very poorly, and then I'm going to come in and play only moderately better. Yeah, that's going to be me. No, everyone wants to start. Everyone wants to be a star. Everyone wants to hit the hit the last shot at the end of the second half, going into overtime, whatever. That's what Braswell wanted, and that's not what he got at Charlotte. It's not what he got at Syracuse. And you know what? Not everyone gets that. But Braswell went and tried to find it, and you can't blame him for that. Syracuse fans should. Have I guess no it just doesn't make that. sense. Like. I guess it is at the end of the day, he just botched, but it just doesn't make any sense to me because he was going to play more minutes. Like he would have, if he just he wanted to start, he wanted to start botch from him. He wanted he to start. Bitch. He wanted to score more. His role at Syracuse, even Only if he was going to play games. more, I know it's a botch, but even I, if I'm he wanted to, botch. even if he was going to play more minutes at Syracuse, like let's say he was going to play 25 minutes, which was probably too high, but I'm just, I'm just giving him a few extra minutes, okay? Bear with me. If he was going to play 25 minutes, what was he going to be doing in those 25 minutes? He was going to be playing the wing of the zone very well, by the way, and then he was going to be waiting for the ball to find him in the corner, and he was going to shoot. He was not going to dribble. He was not going to make a move. He's going to be a 3 and D player, and that's it. But what if he didn't want to do that? I mean, let's not forget that Robert Braswell was advertised, and you can make the argument was, even with his injuries, the most athletic player on the team. I would say second to Frank Anselm, okay? But we didn't see any of that athleticism at all, especially not on the offensive end. So sue him if you wanted to go try and show off what he could do. No, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. You're getting so riled up. 
Yeah, because um, because I know that Robert Braswell didn't didn't transfer for a wrong reason. Like Gary A did. So if Syracuse fans want to crucify Gary A in their heads, go ahead and do it. You have the right. Fine. But Braswell, no, can't let that happen. All right. Brad Klein, biggest Braswell defender on the planet Earth. I hope Rob knows that because he should probably use that if he's ever in trouble. Um, all right. Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today. Uh, and I got to tell you, the first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft have been made. Search now for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of the Lockdown NBA Big Board as well. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. Make Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. Your second listen today, Brad and I will be back with an interview from Terry Lockett's high school coach tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you then.